0: podcast guide to comics mini episode i'm michael and i'll be taking you through the journey of stuff we don't get to cover on the regular show this episode we're going to start off with my kind of hero And these are some cool-looking heroes, I have to say. I'm very impressed. It's actually two female heroes that some people have drawn. The first one is known as Rogue-7, or Rogue-7. I hope they're going to explain what the Rogue-7 means. We'll find out. So this is created by Jason C. Deem of Carson City, Nevada. The secret identity of Rogue-7 is Rachel M. Scott. Current occupation, rogue, peacekeeper, operative. Citizenship is the United States. Legal status is wanted. Oh, interesting. So she's on the run from the law. Marital status is single. Base of operations, southwestern United States. Her height is five foot eight. Her eye color is green. Her hair color is auburn. Her weight is 425 pounds due to the cybernetics of her body. Okay. Let's read about her a little bit. Her powers, all abilities are gained through cybernetics. Rogue Seven possesses super strength and speed, enhanced visual and hearing receptors, and high intelligence. She can lift objects up to 4.3 tons and has a high range scanning equipment. She is a master tactician and an expert hand-to-hand fighter. Her origin, Rachel Scott, was a decorated veteran in the united states marine corps at the height of her career she joined a special forces agency known as peacekeeper i feel like it should be peacekeepers plural but okay whatever grammar lesson for the day guys along with 13 others at the peacekeeper stronghold she and the others learned the truth about the agency when they were given cybernetic limbs and implants To make them better. I feel like you'd know something was wrong if someone was severing off your limbs and putting cybernetic pieces on your body. Like, like, this seems odd. I had a hand yesterday. Now I have a machine. Okay, whatever. I'll go with it. I'll let it ride. It's comics. After months of brainwashing, they all kind of gave in. Okay, sure. So, the elite peacekeeper group, they became... An elite shock troops for Peacekeeper. Whatever. Sounds fine. After receiving a head injury three years later, Rachel escaped Peacekeeper and has waged her own war against them ever since. Interesting. Okay. So, Rogue Seven, she's basically, if you've ever seen the movie The Universal Soldier, she's like Universal Soldier meets Robocop. And... It looks pretty cool. It's definitely interesting. It's almost like a cyborg-esque element. It's got this, like, side satchel that I don't really understand why it's there. I can't tell the way it's drawn if her skin is replaced cybernetically as well, because there's, like, these, like, black gear underneath the armor. It's hard to tell. It's a very cool-looking drawing, very interesting, and a very dynamic pose. It's kind of like, yeah, like I said, if you were to take Universal Soldier, Robocop, and Cable and kind of smash them together. That's kind of what she looks like. The next one we have is Sunfire, created by John Russell of Queensland, Australia. All right, very cool. So her secret identity is Katrina Fire. Her current occupation is research assistant. Citizenship is Australian. Legal status, no criminal record marital status. She's single. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, she's single. There you go. Um, Her base of operations is the Aus-Sat Institute. A-U-S-S-A-T Institute. Her height is also five foot eight. Her eye color is blue. Her hair color is silver and blonde, and her weight is 138 pounds. So here's her power set. Let's give it a go here. So her power set says that Sunfire has the power to create balls of fire of any size which are unaffected by water or the vacuum of space. A fireball the size of a golf ball can burn a hole through six feet of steel. Projectiles melt before they come, be, Projectiles melt before they come within fifteen feet of her because of her heat field she creates by drawing heat into herself. The word heat was in, like, that sentence about three times. It's all good. She can also turn into smoke at will. Interesting. And she can use her heat to cause updrafts that can enable her flight. Very cool. Okay, so her origin says that Katrina's parents were scientists at the OSSAT Institute working on experiments dealing with the sun. During an experiment, both parents had absorbed high amounts of solar radiation. Although neither survived, Katrina's mother had her unborn child put into an artificial womb. Born normal, Katrina gained her incredible powers as she grew and ended up working at the offset Institute. There she learned that the experiment that killed her parents was sabotaged and is currently seeking those responsible. So. Sunfire has basically an identical outfit to that of Vampirella, and her mask and everything is kind of reminiscent of Black Cat, and she's got smoke for legs, in this, at least in this drawing, and this giant fireball in her right hand, and these like metallic gauntlets. Interesting idea, clever. And that is my kind of hero. Now we're going to jump into the amazing art section. <laughs> This month, we've got quite a few pieces of art. The first one is by Walter Blakesley from Elk Ridge, Maryland. And he drew the Wizard of Wizard Magazine, kind of drafting articles, I guess, or or like maybe signing an autograph. And it says, I'll just bet you didn't know about this side of the business. And as he's standing there, the alien from the movie alien, is kind of like lingering over him, drooling and making the wizard very uncomfortable. This is the winner of the Gold Foil Wizard number 17. The next one is Solar Man of the Atom by Bill Thompson of Bristol, Connecticut. This is the winner of the Valiant Gold Eternal Warrior number one. They give a lot of those gold Eternal Warrior number ones. I can't get rid of those things. And uh, it's really, really cool looking. It's a very good drawing. He's kind of like flying in outer space over a rendering of, I would say, the moon. And it's very interesting. It's well, well drawn. I mean, it's an excellent piece of art, I have to say. The next one we have is by Luis. Nuñez from New York, New York, who did the first time I've seen a Namor the Submariner on the cover and it's really really cool, like it's well drawn. He's wearing the wizard cloak. He's looking very pensive, I guess, which is on brand for Namor. The wizard logo has like waves going through it. It's very interesting. It's a pretty cool looking drawing. The next one we have is by Brian L. Coleman from Petersburg, Virginia, and it is black lightning, and it looks like it was painted. It's really well done. Like, this is an incredible piece of art. It's just beautiful, and um, there's lightning all around him. He's not wearing any kind of the goggles or masks that he would normally would wear, like the domino mask kind of a thing, but it's really, really well-drawn and, and incredibly impressive and super realistic-looking, especially the face. It's It's awesome. Good job. The next one we have is by Alex Kerwan from Duluth, uh, I guess, it's, is Duluth, Maine? Sure, I think it's Maine. I, I forget what MN stands for. Playmore! He's got Ren and Stimpy. Stimpy is kind of like reading a comic book or whatever in bed while Ren is sleeping and uh, dreaming of fire <laughs> and money raining down on him as he's wearing the wizard outfit, which is pretty funny. The next one we have is the winner of the Gold Foil Brigade number 1 by Rainier D. Rosario from Chicago, Illinois. And I don't know who this character is. I think it's an image character. He's wearing white and r- black with red shoulder straps and red straps around his legs and some sort of red backpack with some sort of gold armor on the underside of his arm and a sword jumping dynamically towards you know, whoever he's going after, with the wizard stars kind of floating around him. It's very cool looking art, but again, it's not something that I know who it is, so I can't tell you who he is. I'm sure someone will know and they will tell me and I'll be like, yeah, okay, it is what it is. I don't know. Play more! The next amazing art we have, this is really cool. This is by Juan Diaz from New York, New York, and it is the Joker and Gambit playing, I would assume, poker. And the Joker's holding a gun at Gambit while Gambit's kind of like lighting up some playing cards. It's really well drawn. The funny thing about Gambit is he kind of looks like David Duchovny, (laughs) which is pretty funny. There's a tablecloth over the table where they're playing cards, and it's the wizard cloak. It's very, very cool. The next one we have is by Jeremy Wilson from CanKey. Cankay, Illinois. And uh, it. I would assume this is Conan the Barbarian. It, it's gigantic looking and it's definitely a Conan-style sword stomping over a bunch of skulls and I believe holding the severed head of the wizard in his hand. It's, it's uh, pretty graphic, but it's interesting. Uh, the next one is by Jason Carhenbill from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And um, he's got... This really cool art of Gambit and Psylocke, Play ball! They're, they're sort of, you know, standing in some sort of ooze or some sort of like green sludge and she's shooting off psionic blast and he's holding his bow staff and getting ready to throw some cards. The next one we have is by Michael Capello from Stanford, Connecticut and he has drawn a Lobo and around him it says get the frag out of here and Lobo's basically stomping on the Punisher Ghost Rider Wolverine and the Hulk and a Stan Lee as the wizard. Stan Lee's kind of prancing around in in the wizard cloak it's pretty funny the next one we have is by sean clark from steubenville ohio and this is that guy again i forget who it is it's this guy in a red outfit with the m on his waist and he's kind of almost looks like a zombie in this and he's killing some sort of alien creatures. For whatever reason, I can't remember who this character is every time I see him pop up, and he's popped up in several of these amazing art sections, and I just don't have the time to research who he is. Playboy! The next one we have is by Derek Channel from tri West Virginia. Triadelphia. <laughs> Interesting. I never even heard of that place. And it is the wizard stealing Silver Surfer's surfboard and flying away as Silver Surfer kind of sits there crying <laughs> in the uh, in the background. It's pretty funny. Now, the very last one is by Matt Adrian from Somanonk, Illinois. A lot of Illinois this month. Interesting. And it is Mary Jane Watson wearing... Peter Parker's Spider-Man shirt holding his mask in a pair of underwear with stars on it which I would symbolize as being the wizard cloak but in underwear form and Peter's in the background going through his dresser drawer to try to find his Spider-Man clothes and asking her, honey? But, like, he has a spidey sense. He can't sense that she's wearing his costume. I don't know. It's interesting. It's clever. It's pretty funny. And uh, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. It's pretty good. And that is the amazing art section for issue number 22. <music>
1: Hey guys, Adam here. Looking forward to my opportunity to talk to you about some custom action figures. The Homemade Heroes section for issue 22 of Wizard. This time around, we only have two entries, and in fact, issue 21 didn't have any. People were really slacking. But the first one up here is the Figure of the Month contest winner. It's a snazzy-looking Union Jack, which is a repainted Deadpool by Brian Nixon of West Point, Utah. Now, Union Jack is one of those characters I feel like I always heard referenced, but I have never read a comic featuring Union Jack, although I feel like this guy must be kicking himself now for defacing a Deadpool figure, knowing what they're worth these days. Now, the runner-up, which I feel like really should have been the grand prize winner, is what they're calling a wonderful Sandman figure, courtesy of Winston Ng of Chicago, Illinois. Yes, NG is the last name. This is so hilarious. He was made from an old Mork from Orc figure. Yes, a Mork and Mindy Mork figure with melted plastic for the hair. The coat was from a Kenner Endor Gear Han Solo. Why would a simple repaint win when this guy really had to have a vision and decided to deface a Robin Williams Mork figure and turn it into this pale, ghostly figure from a Neil Gaiman comic. Come on, that is championship material right there when it comes to homemade heroes fabulous job creating these things And hey, speaking of action figures, have you guys checked out our latest video on the YouTube channel? That's right. Go to YouTube, search Wizards Comics, and you'll be able to find Michael and I talking about some of our favorite vintage Batman action figures. It's going to be hopefully a weekly segment, or at least bi-weekly, that we can bring you where you can see us showing off some special parts of our collections. And now, Michael, back to you.
0: Back again this month for issue 21 and 22 is our all time favorite Hunk and Babe of the Month. I'm too sexy for my
1: shirt, too sexy for my shirt, so sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan, too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan.
0: And for issue 21, we've got two very well-known and very popular characters. We'll start with the hunk, and this hunk is Thor. By the gods, who is that heavenly body? Could that be Thor, god of thunder? and heavenly pecs You ain't just whistling Dixie, pal. Michelangelo missed one all right. Thor can bring his hammer to my place anytime. Just think, brains, muscles, good looks, and manners? What else could you ask for? Well, we won't go into that now. What I will go into is just how perfect this dream boy's bod is. Watching this beefy hunk of meat squash bad guys and rescuing innocents makes me wish I was a damsel in distress. And Thor is in just the underwear portion of his costume with some, like, uh, gauntlets on his wrist. His hair is pulled back in a ponytail. He's wearing some real cliche 80s or 90s sunglasses. His beard looks kind of, like, manicured in a funny way. And he is basically naked, holding near in front of what appears to be like a coconut tree of some sort. Yeah. Okay. And he's very tan. Very, very tan. Now on to the babe of the month. And this month's babe is rogue. Geez. Why bother getting dressed at all if that's what you're gonna wear? Oh my god. So she's diving on like the side of a cliff in a bikini with flowers on it. It's uh, yeah, okay. Hey, I ain't complaining, but that's the smallest bathing suit I ever seen. I mean, come on. Two postage stamps and a shoelace would provide as much coverage. Oh, this is so uncomfortable to read. I don't know why Adam has me read these things. (laughs) They make me so uncomfortable. But I guess that's why she's here in Honkin' Babe. Rogue is the ex-woman with the ability to absorb others' powers and memories by touching them. I can't speak for the rest of you, but she can have my powers 24 hours a day if she wants. I won't struggle or nothing. This is the most... I want to say a word, but I can't curse, so it's... That's what I'm going to say. And that's issue 21's Hunk and Babe of the Month, Thor and Rogue, and for issue 22. I think I just learned who that guy in the red outfit with the M is, because our hunk this month is Magnus, who is standing naked, holding a red outfit with an M on the waistband. And uh, Magnus' section says, Look out, ladies. This sexy wrecking machine was groomed for violence, but he was also built for lovin'. Though he's best known for making robots squeal, wooing the ladies is a power 1A didn't have to build in. Those bulging muscles, that wavy brown hair, this boy was born to be a heartbreaker. The only downside is that he won't be around until the year 4,000. I don't mind waiting around for a guy, but 2,000 years? I don't know. And that's what it says about Magnus. Now the next one is, funny enough, Vampirella, who I referenced earlier. <laughs> who would have thought? And this is our Babe of the Month. And it says, hmm, if Vampirella is from another planet, then I want to visit. and. Her Her outfit isn't even a bathing suit. Wowza. Do all the women dress like that? A world without underwear? No doubt. Ah, there's so much to love about Vampy. That long black hair, those mysterious green eyes, those, well, you can't get into much more in these pages. Let's just say she's... (laughs) My God, I can't read. I can't even read this. It makes me so uncomfortable. Let's just say she's an overly healthy young lady. But what about the blood sucking thing? Hey, I'm game. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wizard, wizard, wizard. The words you write. Oh, blah. That's my word for you, blah. And that is your hunk and babe of the month for issue number twenty two. Yuck.
1: Greetings, future geeks. Adam calling in on the 2099 hotline. This is a segment where I guide you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow. I've taken a break to cover some random comics issues over the past few mini-episodes, but I'm ready to go back to the future to cover the lead-in to the first 2099 crossover event, Fall of the Hammer. This week, we'll be talking Doom 2099 issues 11 through 13. Before I get started, it's worth noting that issues 10, 11, and 12 would place side by side actually form a full mural-like image, which is a nice artistic touch by artist Pat Broderick. When we last left the tin-plated tyrant, he had been on a multi-issue journey through cyberspace, but now his crew is traveling the world of the future, as issues 11 and 12 take place in the nation of Wakanda 2099. Writer John Francis Moore has done such a great job working in bits of Marvel Comics history and past issues, but it's worth noting that in 1993, Wakanda was nowhere near as well-known in pop culture as it is now in the wake of the Black Panther film, so this one was definitely for only the most devoted fans of the House of Ideas. Surprisingly, this two-issue arc features no mention at all of T'Challa or his lineage as leaders of this hidden African nation, which seems strange given that he's the only citizen of Wakanda that anyone would know. Instead, we have Doom's gypsy tribe associate, Zandra, seeking to learn more about her own mysterious past by visiting Wakanda and approaching the holographic AI version of their ancient wise priest, scientist, warrior, ooh, he's a triple threat, Thandaza. Back in Latveria, Doom wonders why Alchemex is building a floating city in the sky called Valhalla, named after the Hall of Fallen Heroes in Asgard, which will play into the crossover a few issues from now. Trump. Back in Wakanda, there's also a princess named Okusana, who is reluctant to lead her people and instead wants to resurrect the Daza to lead in her place. So she retrieves the head of the revered figure, who had been cryogenically, or cryonically as they state, frozen, getting some serious Futurama vibes here, and calls on Doom to use his cybernetics expertise to construct a body for the head to be attached to. Of course, being Doom, this is not an altruistic endeavor, he is secretly accessing the Wakandan technological database to gain information that will be of use to him in the future. Now, if you want a visual on Thandaza, basically try to imagine if Dave Chappelle was doing a futuristic Rick James skit. He's got kind of a sparkly purple crystalline body, and then he's got his hair definitely inspired by Rick James' hairstyle. Unfortunately, before the procedure is complete, one of the Royal Panther Guard the only reference to actually get to the Black Panther, thinks this is blasphemy and starts shooting to destroy the Abomination. As a result, Thandaza is revived as a violent lunatic with a near-indestructible vibranium body and he starts pummeling Doom. Most of issue 12, then, is the battle between Doom and Thandaza, which our armored protagonist only defeats by cutting off Thandaza's power source then reaching into his artificial body and returning his attacker to the land of the dead. The mad monster monarch of Latveria is given thanks for his mercy in doing so. Okusana recognizes the danger of trying to avoid her duty as the leader of Wakanda and begins her training in the warrior ways of her ancestors. On a side note, issue 12 actually features two cool inserts. The first is a coupon for KB Toy Stores where you can get $5 off the purchase of a Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo game and in addition receive a free collector's issue of Ghost Rider called Hot Pursuit. Marvel then promotes their own books with a six-page insert that is supposed to be pages from Punisher's war journal, setting up the suicide-run story arc. Then there is a cover for a fake magazine called Juice with Night Thrasher on the cover and insider profiles on the new warriors like Nova, Namorita, and Speedball. Just some unique ephemera for the time. It's kind of neat. Issue 13 of Doom 2099 is a one-shot fill-in issue that does not feature the artwork of regular artist Pat Broderick. Instead, it's penciled by someone named Alcatina, not Altadina, uh, who does a great job though on this story that ties into the mythology of Doctor Doctor Strange, which is awesome. Doom visits a keeper of arcane knowledge named Brother Theodoro with a kid named Vox, who has been in the Doom 2099 book since the beginning, but has barely done anything up to this point. Vox wears the Eye of Agamotto, of which it is revealed that there are three amulets created by the Vashanti to contain power, truth, and prescience. Vox is cosmically aware and wise beyond his years, actually referring to Doom's battle with Mephisto to save the soul of his mother which is a nice callback to probably the most iconic doom story meanwhile a trapped demon is released by a guy who spent his life decoding ancient texts that through technomancy which is a combination of computer tech and the magical arts and naming itself necrotech this demon attempts to take the eye of agamotto from vox who defends himself with shields created with the classic dr strange devil horn finger poses super awesome then doom is given the amulet to continue the battle and rejects an offer from the demon to bring back doom's lost love margaretta in exchange for the eye doom shouts i have dealt with your kind before and will not deal with Hellspawn ever again. Doom ultimately defeats Necrotech by doing research through the library's computers and using the intel on all past appearances of this demon in history to figure out how he was banished originally, and again Necrotech is returned to hell, or Limbo, or Delaware. Sorry, Delaware. The last page of the issue shows the floating Alchemyx city of Valhalla and what appears to be a futuristic Heimdall, referred to as, quote, the Guardian Reborn. And it ends with the words, next, the fall of the hammer. Next time around, I'll be covering the build-up to this historic crossover in the pages of Ravage 2099. So, until next time, see you in the future.
0: And finally, we've come to the bane of my existence. For contest number 22, here is the grand prize a set of Exo Manowar numbers 14 and 15, and the chromium cover Turok number 1, all autographed by artist Bart Sears. Alright, Adam would like it. I wouldn't care. First prize a copy of Exo Manowar 0, autographed by artist Joe Casada, and a copy of Magnus 25, autographed by artist Bob Layton. Your choice. I feel like that's a better prize, personally, that's just my opinion. Second prize, a set of Skybox Marvel series 4 including chase cards or a set of DC Cosmic cards number 2 including the chase cards. Your choice. Okay, anybody who collects Funko, as I have and have dwindled down my collection, I've had a couple of chases in the past, sold them, but I had a couple. My wife just recently got the Shits Creek Funko Pops and ended up getting the Chase of David as well as the other four pieces. And she's like, I don't want this. This is not the one I wanted. And I'm like, but this is the one that's going to be worth money. What are you talking about? So we have it and I'm, hopefully I'll sell it at some point. But whatever. We'll see. The third prize is a set of limited edition Youngblood Home Team and Primitive Max Foil Trading Cards or... A gold foil spirit card from the 100 most collectibles. Your choice. Okay. Well, I think two and three, like the the first prize and second prize, are probably the best options in my opinion. But let's go into these questions. Question number one. The ex-ruler of the lost land. What is the lost land? And who is its ex-ruler? I don't know. The first word is six letters. The second word is three letters. I think the last word is Rex, I think, but I'm not sure. Question number two, the child murderer in Spawn. I have no idea, no clue, couldn't tell you. Question number three, Bombast, Captain Glory, and Night Glider's hometown. First word is six letters. Second word is four letters. No idea. I don't even know who those characters are. I don't know who Bombast, Captain Glory, or Night Glider is. So yeah, you got me. Play more! I hate these quizzes so much. I hate them so much. They're so bad because they're so impossible, unless you really knew what you're looking for. And I don't want to cheat. OK. Question number four, Sabertooth's ex-partner. I didn't know Sabretooth had a partner. Could it be Wolverine? It may be Wolverine. I don't know. Does that fit? No, it does not fit. There's not enough letters. It is nine letters. I don't know. No clue. Play more! Okay. The next question, the fifth question, is the imp from the fifth dimension. So it's either Mixel Pickle. Uh, uh, Mr. McPicklewick, or whatever you probably, uh I usually be able to say it. Or, it's Batmite, but Batmite doesn't fit. So, I'm gonna say it's, um... Mixle-Picklewick, whatever you... However you pronounce it. Someone's gonna laugh when they hear me say that a few times. I guarantee it, but that's fine. Question number six. In Dark Horse New Universe, there is a golden city, a steel harbor, the Vortex, and blank. And... The blank is seven letters. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. The five books I've read that were Dark Horse. Don't even know. No clue. Play more! Question number seven: A type of mind meld. Six letters. Fusion? <laughs> Fusion is six letters, right? Who who comes up with this thing? Oh, it, oh, that's a Star Trek thing, right? Vulcan? Yeah, Vulcan mind meld. Sure. Lock it in. There you go. Question. Number eight, the final question. Lefty Donovan was once the blank. And it is nine letters. Who is Lefty Donovan? Where do they pull this stuff from? Where do they pull these ridiculous questions from? It's making me crazy because I hate them so much. Oh my goodness. Next time we do an interview with one of our wizard former employees i gotta ask them who comes up with these stupid quizzes because i hate them so much and that about wraps it up for us here on the mini episode for episode 22.5 thank you guys for tuning in i hope you enjoyed my random commentary and nonsense of babbling as i go on as i usually do and don't forget to check out our episode we did for the movie dark man which whatever it's fine it's over i'm glad i'm over with it but it's it, it's over thank goodness we have a lot of fun stuff coming up we'll be talking about it more so don't forget to check us out on twitter at wizards comics and on instagram at wizards underscore comics and also check out our t public store wizards the podcast guide to comics and get some of our merch if you want a t-shirt you want a hat a mug a bumper sticker go crazy have at it we love to see it and we'd love to see you post it on your social we'll share it on ours and as always don't forget to keep your books bagged and boarded
1: this has been a presentation
0: of the retro network